Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It was probably like nine months into knowing each other and we had gone on trips. We had done all this stuff. He had met my mother <laughs> and he was like, so what do you think about like getting serious? And I was like, I thought you were my boyfriend. <laughs> like, I've been telling everyone I know, including my mother, that you are my boyfriend. <laughs> and like, I was so bummed about it that obviously it worked out. We're married now, but I was like, holy shit. I really misread this situation. <laughs> to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you are. Yeah. Um, so you are married to one of my favorite human beings. I love your husband so much. Me too. <laughs> Mark Normand. Yeah, I wanted to talk about being married to a comic because obviously we're sisters in that. Yes. We are a rare and unique breed. Yes. <laughs> and um, what, what, why, how? Why and how? Yeah. So, <laughs> that's funny. Um, well, we met, I guess we met at this point like eight years ago. And um, I was going, I was actually on a date with another guy. And then we went to go see a comedy show and this date was going horribly. I hated this fucking guy. And like, <laughs> it was it was terrible. And then, so I was like, please, I'll do anything to just not have to talk to you for a few hours. So we go to this comedy show and Mark was one of the comedians. I had seen him before a few times and I just like couldn't get him off my mind afterwards. And so I sent this guy packing. I went home, talked to my roommate at the time. And she was like, why don't you just message this guy? Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? He doesn't respond. So I did. And then we went on a date and the rest is history, I guess. But it was funny because dating a comic, you know, I'd only dated like finance bros at that point. That was the guy I sent packing. And I didn't like, obviously, you know that their schedules are crazy, but then you don't really realize it until you start dating them. And so like Mark would want to meet up at like 1130 at night because that's when he's available. And all of my friends were like, I don't think this guy actually likes you. And I was like, you don't got, you guys don't get it. They were like, you don't get it. Like, this is embarrassing for you. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it worked out. But it's definitely, you got to make a lot of concessions of like how you thought your life was going to look and, you know, a lot of things like that. Like Mark is never going to be the guy who, not never, but most of the time, he's not going to be the plus one at weddings and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, things like that. You sort of have to concede in this lifestyle, as you know. Yes. So. And is that hard for you? Um, not really. You know what I think is interesting is that I'm totally fine with, you know, being independent, doing things on my own, going places on my own and, you know, seeing Mark when I see him and being flexible and not seeing him as often as my friends that, you know, have the same schedules as their, as their husband. I think when it bothers me, ironically, it's when other people get involved. Like when my friends will say things like, oh, doesn't it bother you? He's not here. Or like, where's Mark? I go to like a wedding. He's not there. And everyone's like, that's the first question that they ask me. And I'm like, well, that's insulting for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and secondly, I'm sick of answering this. I'm sick of like making excuses for him almost, you know, but I don't. But for me, I don't feel like I need to make excuses. I feel fine with the situation. So it's really just like, um, 
justifying it to other people. And that's when I start to get pissed. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. It is true. People do not understand how it works. No. And really, to be honest, it's better in some ways than a, a guy who works nine to five. Because yeah. when they're home, they're home. Yes. Like they're home all day. Right. And you can have a life in a different way than only being able to plan dinner out. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm the same way. I have no problem being by myself. I can go to a party completely by myself. I got plenty of friends that'll go to a party with me. Yeah. Um, but it is a very, I don't, I don't think we're normal, May. No, I don't think so either. Like as abnormal <laughs> as they are, we're not normal either. No. Right. But I'm good. I'm good. I've never been normal. So I'm kind of good with that. But I think for the, for the normies, <laughs> it's hard to wrap their head around. It's really hard. Hey, people still to this day ask me, no, yeah. Bert. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. No. <laughs> when has he ever come to any of these things? No, no, Bert. Once again. Yeah. He's only one guy. Like yes. he can't be in a million places at once. No. And when you're partying, he's working. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're working, he's not partying, but he's not, you know, he's chilling. Yeah. He's just working out yeah, <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, What's the, what is, what's the hardest part for you being married to a comic? Well, um, I did the cliche comic girlfriend thing and I started being a comic myself. I feel like the pipeline to that is there's a lot of girls that do that kind of thing. And, and I think, are for, there a lot of girls that become a comic after they are At least with in a comic? New York, yeah. Mm. In New York, I can name a few off at the top of my head. But um, so I didn't want to be a cliche and I didn't want to use him for anything. So I've been like really focused on keeping our careers separate. Obviously, his career looks a lot different than mine, but I'll say careers, both of us. But like it's, you know, I wanted to make sure I was doing it on my own. But I think no matter what people sort of, they have opinions. They're like, oh, she's being helped by him. And I'm mm -hmm. like, actually, I'm just being judged by all of you and not helped by him. So right. it's kind of, I'm like sort of in this weird nebulous area there. So that has been challenging. You know, you have to like sort of make a name for yourself. And um, I think people are always going to kind of group us together. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, I don't, I don't go on the road with him. I don't have him help me. So I feel like confident in I don't know. Like, what are people going to say? Like, I haven't really used him at all. So, but people do definitely like group us together and don't take me as seriously as I think they would have if I had been a comic before I started mm -hmm. seeing him. Yeah. So, well, I mean, whatever. Well, it happens for me too. So many comments. Yeah. The only reason she has a podcast is her husband. I'm sure. You get well, those you're comments. right. That is yeah. <laughs> why I started it. 100%. Bert Kreischer said to me, you should start a podcast. It would be amazing. Yeah. And, you know, if he had said, you should start selling Avon, and I was the number one Avon salesman in the region, would people say it was because of him? No, of course no. not. Just, it just happens to be in a vein that he also is in. But our my podcast and his are completely different. Yeah. And I, mine is minuscule in comparison to his for size and reach and fill in the blank. But I fucking enjoy it. Yeah. So fun. what does it matter where it came from? You totally. know, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Your career is you. It is It is aggravating. I get aggravated too when people are like, well, the only reason. Yeah. She's, as if I got married and hung out with this guy so that I could <laughs> piggyback on his career in some way. We've also built 
a life together, inarguably together, right? Mm-hmm. And I started a podcast after we had been together for like, you've been together eight, nine, how, how many years before you started? Eight Santa? years. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. If you were some kind of opportunist, it would have- quite the long game. <laughs> right? Yes. That's my point. I've been doing this, what, five years or six years? We've been together for 23. Uh, come yeah. on now. <laughs> yeah. That's a little suspect if you ask me. I had, I will not name names, but I did have a um, female comic say to me once, she was like, well, I'm sure you started stand up so you could spend more time with Mark. I was like, what? Okay, you have to like, tell me who that was. I will, the off the record, I will. But I was like, what the hell kind of logic is that? And I was yeah. like, and we're very like, actively separating ourselves from that because I just feel like it, I don't want to work with him in that capacity. Even if I got good enough to open for him, I wouldn't want to. Right. Because it's just, I don't want to deal with him and at work, basically. Right. And I was just like, what a strange line of thinking that you have. And I felt like for her, it just showed me more of like how she approaches relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, she's trying to get closer with guys by doing certain things. And I was like, I don't need to do that. Right. So. No. Yeah. You don't need to do that. That's so fascinating. I think... uh Mark is such a unique thinker. He is. <laughs> right? He is. And I mean that uh, completely complimentary. He yeah. does not think like other people. No. He thinks like Mark Normand, no mm-hmm. one else. And it's so amazing to watch. I have not had the privilege of watching your stand-up, so I can't speak to your stand-up. But um, do, you, do you help each other? Do you... Um, bounce stuff off each other. So like, you know, if we're out to dinner and something funny comes up, it'll just, it'll definitely be like, oh, there's something there or whatever. But we don't really like write together mostly because he doesn't have time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, I would love it if he helped me with writing, but he does not. And so not really. And he, I think like if we do like back-to-back sets, which has happened before in New York, there's a lot of parallels between the topics I talk about mm. and the topics that he talks about. And it's actually funny. We both have a joke about anal. And my joke is that I can't do it. And it's like the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And his joke is that he slipped it in my butt by accident. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. mine's the real one. Right, right. Mine's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone always remarks on that. They're like, you guys, one of you is lying. And yeah, I was right? Like, it's him. <laughs> He's <But laughs> totally lying. That's yeah. hysterical. That's really funny. Yeah. I feel like both of those jokes came out from earnestly trying to have anal and having it be really difficult. Right, be like, oh, this is really bad. This yeah. is not working. Not fun. Um, <laughs> so uh, how cute are his parents? Oh, they're so cute. When oh did you meet God. them? At Fully Loaded. Oh, really? In okay. New Orleans. They came to the show, the after show in New Orleans. Or they came, I met them before and then after the show. They are adorable. They're so sweet. Isn't it so funny though? Because you're like, where did Mark come from? Yes. They're like, very level-headed, like Southern genteel, yes. like very proper. They were both lawyers. And then like Mark is their son. I'm like, it's yes. crazy. It is a mystery. Mm-hmm. Was the transgender woman involved at all in the conception of Mark? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, they were so sweet and they're so proud of him. I know. It's yes. really nice. His mom actually sent him this really sweet um, letter a long time ago saying like how proud she was of him and, Aww. you know, that she thought he was doing a lot of good for the world. And he was like, all right, take it easy. <laughs> like, Aww. I'm telling dick jokes, but thank you. So. No, but he is. Every comic is. Every, yeah. it, being a comic is really important to the health and well-being of the world, I think. I think being, so. Yeah. Being able yeah. to laugh at everyday stuff or real serious stuff is so healing. Yeah. But what did you do before? 
Uh, well, I still have a day job and I work at this place. It's like, basically I work with uh, beauty brands and we facilitate a relationship between the beauty brands and influencers. So it's very girly. It's very fun. Um, I love my boss, Anna, if you're watching. <laughs> so I have no plans on leaving. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a great time. I really like it. Um, yeah, it's why I get to work with like, you know, like Estee Lauder brands and, you know, they send me makeup and it's kind of works. Like I have a lot of people ask me, they're like, when are you going to quit your day job? And I was like, I enjoy my day job. And you know, it's good to have like some separate finances going on, at least right now in our marriage, Mm -hmm. maybe like things will change when we have kids and that kind of thing. But for now I enjoy having like a separate financial situation. Especially if you love it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm like dying to get out of this career path and I am not enjoying it anymore. So it's like, if I like it, it's just, let's just do it until the wheels fall off, I guess. Totally. Why not? I mean, Bert has multiple, uh, income streams, right? Right. He has inarguably more than one career. Yeah. Right. At the same time, there's no reason why you can't do both. Right. As long as everybody's happy. Exactly. So I love paths. I love to hear about people's journeys, right? Where'd you grow up? At Sandwich, Massachusetts. What? Yes. There's a place called Sandwich? Yes. <laughs> Is that where the sandwich was born? I don't think so. Or did they so. name it after someone's favorite sandwich? I think it was like the Earl of Sandwich came over from England or whatever the fuck. Oh I don't know. God. But there's no place in Sandwich called Sandwiches Sandwiches. And I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, that's what a missed opportunity. Uh, I should start one. You but should. That would be my third career is the sandwich place in Sandwich, Massachusetts. But yeah, so I'm from a little town in Massachusetts it's on Cape Cod, if you're familiar. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it sounds fancy, but really it was just like a regular cul-de-sac type life. Suburb. Suburb. Yeah. Uh, I went to, uh, I went to prep school. So I went to this prep school called Thayer Academy and I played hockey there. Oh, wow. So it was a very Massachusetts upbringing. It was like the most Massachusetts. You you played ice hockey? Ice hockey. That's so cool. And I was a goalie. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) So you're dead inside. I'm dead inside and I'm very weird. I'm just kidding. Goalies are the best. Yeah. They're strange people. It turns out. They are I don't know why. Why? They're super unique. It's almost like I feel like I I played goalie for five seconds in college in an intramural uh, indoor soccer. Okay. Um, but I freaking loved it. Yeah. It was intense. And you watch like every move of everything that's happening. You have to be so present. Yeah. Seems like you're just standing there. Like you'd think you could just stand there and stare off into space until they start coming your way. But you cannot do that. You have yeah. to be like focused the whole time. I loved it. Yeah. I feel like that was like, it was like meditative in that way. Uh-huh. Because you're so focused where like in regular life, I'm like, you look at my phone every two seconds and I'm never anywhere. <laughs> like, You know what I mean? Like my brain is in a million different places. So maybe that's, I never thought of it like that before where it was such like a meditative way to spend an hour, however long a game is. But yeah, I mean, that was really cool. I was actually like, pretty good. Yeah. And um, so I got recruited to go to some colleges, but I ended up not doing that. And I went to the same college as my sister in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so not that far from home, but that's a huge regret of mine, actually. I'm like, why didn't I go to like California or some, or like somewhere further from home? I was like 45 minutes from my parents' house. She's not ready, um, maybe? I guess. Uh, if yeah. you're following your sister's probably easier too. Someone's already been there, knows what's up. Yeah. Your girls aren't in school yet, are they? One's uh, in college, sophomore college. Oh, okay, yes. And the other one's a senior in high school. Okay. Um, And we know where she's going to college. We we don't tell anybody where they're going, but... Nice. But yeah, they're not going to the same place. 
So, um, yeah, uh, Georgia wanted Isla to go to the same place. And part of me was like, please, that would be amazing. Yeah. A, Isla doesn't have her driver's license. Georgia (laughs) does. B, uh, Isla's one of those kids that uh, will figure shit out. But if there is a path of least resistance, she's going to take it. Mm -hmm. So if her sister was there, I think her path would be easier, but she'll be fine. She'll be fine where she's going. Um, Okay, so you had all these scholarships, but you went to Rhode Island. What'd you do after college? I moved to Boston for a little while and then like literally like a year. And then I moved down to, saved up money and moved to New York. And people always ask me, they're like, why did you move to New York? And I was like, I don't know, what else am I doing? Like, because I, I feel like people have this idea that you move to places like LA or New York for like specific reason. And I never, I didn't really have that reason. I just wanted to get out of there. Right. So, um, and I just partied, did a lot of drugs, did like the early 20s New York thing. And yeah, I would say like right when I met Mark was when I was like coming down from that. I like quit doing cocaine probably like two months before I met him. And I was like, the timing of this could not have been better. Because right. if he met me two months ago, he would have thought I was disgusting. A <laughs> like, lunatic? A lunatic. Yeah, yeah, I was very thin though. Very thin. <laughs> so- <laughs> Positive side effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not only were you younger, you were also on coke. Yeah. I've never done any drugs. I'm such a goody two-shoes in that. I, I smoked weed four times and all four times I threw up. And I was really? like, maybe I'm just going to stick to alcohol. I, yeah, I do not like weed. No, I'm an alcohol girl. No. Well, booze, yeah, I'm alcohol good. Alcohol and uppers, I guess. But Yeah, I never yeah. tried Coke. I, coke scared me. I was really scared of Coke. Yeah, well, I'm so lucky that I was doing Coke when I was doing it too mm-hmm. because obviously now there's so much like fentanyl and stuff. And I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Because I was, you know... I was doing it quite a bit. So right, like, right. You know, it's it's very, I feel like very grateful for, I didn't have to deal with that. What were you doing for work? I was working at a place called guilt.com. It was like in fashion, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so I've heard of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I've never shopped it, but I know what you're talking about. And at the time, I thought I was like on top of the world. I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, doing this fashion job, going to all these fancy parties, stuff like that. And I thought it was, I thought that was like peak life. Mm. And it was whatever. <laughs> and it was whatever. And it was whatever. So why did, how, when did you figure out it was whatever? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe when I quit cocaine. <laughs> so why did you quit cocaine? <laughs> why for the Party is sponsored by Lumi and Mando. I know you guys have heard me talk about Lumi a ton. I love their deodorant wipes. I keep them in my gym bag. I take them on my Girl Scout troop, uh, like field trips, anytime we're going on a hike or a camping trip, I always throw those in the bag because nothing worse than a bunch of stinky teenagers. And Lumi deodorant wipes work up to 72 hours. They, But they have so much more than the wipes. They have um, stick deodorant. They have cream deodorant. They have body wash. Um, but Mando is their kind of men version of Lumi. There's nothing worse than when his junk smells like funk. But have no fear Mando is here. Goodbye to BO because Mando has 72-hour whole body odor control with scents like bourbon leather. It's no surprise men are loving Mando. Share the whole body deodorant love and get your man some Mando today. In a clinical study, men who showered with soap and used Mando whole body deodorant in their pits had an odor score of 0 out of 10 after 12 hours. I mean, that's amazing. Men who showered with soap alone had an armpit odor score of 8 out of 10 after 12 hours. That's a huge, huge difference. Mando's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, 
two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or those great deodorant wipes and free shipping. Luckily, I have a discount code to help you get hooked on my favorite smelling whole body deodorant on the market. New customers get $5 off a starter pack with our exclusive code. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack. Use code WIFE30 at shopmando.com. S-H-O-P-M-A-N-D-O.com. And for my ladies, use WIFE30 at lumideodorant.com. It's time to spell better naked. Your partner will thank you. Wife of the Party is sponsored by DraftKings. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Leanne, L-E-E-A-N-N. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code Leanne, that's L-E-E-A-N-N. With code Leanne, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 100 68 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So why did you quit cocaine? I was just kind of over it. Like, you know, the hangover started to get too bad. I think some of my friends stopped doing it and I was just like, okay, this isn't really fun anymore. Right. And so we just stopped doing it and it it wasn't like a big thing. I didn't have to go to rehab or anything like that. It was just like, I just ended up not doing it anymore and just kind of let it shed off of my life. Yeah. And then I realized I was like, oh, I should be making a lot more money and I should have more like ambitions and I should be doing this, this and this. And so, yeah. (laughs) But I think that's a good path actually because you you did exactly what you're supposed to be doing at that age. Exactly. I got it all out of my system. Uh, Yeah, that's my my point. Is you, you partied your ass off and then you were like, okay, ass is off. Yes. Now let's like get my shit together and move forward. Right. Right? Yeah. That's really healthy in a lot of ways. If you have that, par- I need to party bone. Not everybody has it. Yeah. But some people really do. Right. And need to get it out of their system. And I was like relatively safe. I wasn't doing anything like that crazy. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, partying, staying up really late and having fun in New York. Like it's not the end of the world. No. But um, yeah, I definitely feel like I got it out of my system. And I feel the same way about dating too. Like, um, I don't think I'm saying anything that's going to shock anyone listening that Mark was not, he was a little bit of a playboy before yes. he met me. Um, I don't think that's news to anybody who's a Mark's, who's a Mark fan. And I'm sort of like weirdly grateful for that too, because I feel like when we met and when we started to get serious, he had definitely scratched that itch. I'll say that much. Right, right. So I feel like he got that out of his system and I got the partying out of my out of my system and then we met at a really good time for each other. Right. Because it does get old, that shit. Oh that, my God, yeah. All of it gets old. The the dating, the the partying. At a certain point, you just go, oh, what am I doing? I mean, how many how many times can you go to the rodeo? Yeah. I mean, I've seen the fucking rodeo over and over and over again. It may be a different pony that yeah. you're you know, trying or riding with the party or a girl or whatever, a guy. 
But at a certain point, you go, you know, I think I just want to go out to pasture and eat some grass and have a nice life. Yes, you yes, know? totally. Totally. That's awesome that you met at that like right time for each other. Yeah, so I cool. think so. The stars aligned. Eight years ago. I didn't know it had been that long. Yeah, I the think it has flown. Eight. Yeah, it's been a really long time. I mean, we met and then we didn't start to get like serious, serious until probably like a year into knowing each other. Like I remember, this is so embarrassing for me, but I remember like it was probably like nine months into knowing each other and we had gone on trips. We had done all this stuff. He had met my mother <laughs> and he was like, so what do you think about like getting serious? And I was like, I thought you were my boyfriend. <laughs> like, I have been telling everyone I know, including my mother, that you are my boyfriend. <laughs> and like, I was so bummed about it that obviously it worked out. We're married now. But I was like, holy shit, I really misread this situation. Did, did, was that like a hold on? I think his brain works different than my brain. Moment? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I think there's like a his brain, his expectations, like his view on like society and how things are supposed to go are just totally different. Yes. So. Than most people. Yeah. Which makes him an amazing comic. It's, yeah. I am married on the same thing where you go. He was the same with me. He kept going, this is my friend, Leanne. For your this, friend? And I'm like, <laughs> you spend all day, every day, seven days a week with me. I'm your girlfriend. Yeah. Well, that term, I don't know if I want to use that term. And I'm like, dude, I'm 31. Use the term or get the fuck out. Totally. Because that's what's happening here. And he yeah. was like, oh, okay. Okay. All, the whole way <laughs> I kept going, what are you talking about? Right. Like, where are you living? It is so funny how they're all the same in that way. Uh -huh. They really are. And it's like, what do you think is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really kind of bizarre. And I don't think Mark or Bert are the only comics no. where all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You just have to like tell them. Yes, <laughs> they, they're just too busy thinking about something else. Totally. Like, that's all it is. And if you get offended by that, then you're not going to make it. No, right. You're not. And I would say also one of the harder things for me to get over in the beginning was like, I was not a comic yet. So I didn't understand how long it takes to make a joke and how long it takes to get it to work. So Mark would be doing these older jokes about like taking girls on dates or whatever. And I'd be like, what? Who is this fucking girl? <laughs> like, what? Like, what is this? What? And then in my mind, my crazy ass mind, I was like, Back then, I was like, well, he's saying this on stage so people think he's single so that girls come up to him afterwards. And maybe he was. But I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And then so it, it took me years to like beat that out of him. Right. Because I feel like men just like, especially a lot of comics and all, I mean, in general comics, I would say like they probably weren't like the popular kid in high school. Mm -hmm. And so when they're getting attention from women, it's just like too much for them. They uh -huh. like can't, it's like a drug. They can't let it go completely. And I'm like, you got to just shut these girls down. Yes. Because I DM'd you and that's how I went on a date with you. So I'm sure you're getting DMs from other girls. Right. Constantly. Yeah, it is true. It is It is like the most foreign thing for them. Bert, when, when Bert and I first met, I had to say to him, hey, if you ask me out, I will say yes. Because he just wouldn't do it. Yeah. And then when I said yes, he was like, she just wants to sleep with me. And I was like, not, no, actually, no. Yeah, actually, I'm not a guy. like <laughs> you and you like me and we have so much fun. You don't even understand what liking me means, right? Right. Because no girl has ever been that. This was way before, I mean, it's 23 years ago. This is before he, I mean, he was a comic, but yeah, they're interesting little brains. They really don't get it a lot of the time no. or they get it too much. 
where they think everybody wants to sleep with them. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. not actually. Not really. No. <laughs> Maybe one in a group of 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not everybody. But forever, for the longest time when women started really paying attention to him on the road, he'd, he would call me and go, oh, there's so many women jocking on me. They're just all over me. And I'm like, dude, I'm your wife. Yeah. Remember, I'm your best friend, but I'm also your wife. So what would you like me to say when when women are knocking on your hotel door? Good for you? Right, right. <laughs> wow, that's- That's so cool. Exactly. He did it. <laughs> uh, right? I'm so happy for you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> but he had no understanding that that, he was so excited that he was a wanted commodity. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, they like the spotlight and that's just a different type of spotlight. It's true. So it's true. Yeah. It took me like a really long time, to be honest, to not be insecure about that for sure. Oh, and yeah. Now I'm in a good place. Like we're literally married. We're publicly married. Yeah. So if like a girl's like going after him, I'm like, well, you're a piece of shit to the girl yeah. and whatever. But I'm like, I think like for a long time, like before we were engaged, I was just like, what is he like keeping the door open for these women kind of thing? Mm. And he wasn't, he's a sweet guy. He's not that kind of person, but I, I'm just, I just know how like women are mm -hmm. and I know how guys are. And like the way that we met was me messaging him. So I'm like, what if another girl does the same thing I did? Right. You know, because like in his yeah. mind, he's like, oh, all these messages are so harmless. And I'm like, well, mine wasn't. So. Right. You know, it's a really good perspective. And you're you're wise to understand that his perspective might be a little different. Yeah. And that isn't what his intention is, is what really matters, you know, because yeah. he's not behaving badly. No. And if these women are showing up, that's not entirely his fault. Right. You know, he can't help someone DMing him. Right. You know? And like, I get DMs too, but I mean, I just laugh about them, obviously. But yeah, right? <laughs> like, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't get any DMs like that. No DMs. <laughs> <laughs> no DMs of like, hey, baby. No, nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've never been sent a dick pic. I don't know if I should be no? taking offense to that or not. I'm not inviting your dick pics, but I am. <laughs> I just like, I have so many girlfriends that are like, oh, you know, when you get dick pics from like rent, I'm like, no, I really don't. No, I never have either. I never Although have. I did get one that was sent to me by accident. Oh, he put the last digit of my phone number was wrong. Oh, my and God. was talking about last night and all this shit and then sent me this picture. But his dick was in pants, just hard. Oh, wow. And like you could see like the <laughs> you could see everything except not everything. Yeah. And just kept having this like chat with me. Oh, and my then God. And I was like, I think you have the wrong number. He was like, oh, my God, I'm so <laughs> sorry. He was so embarrassed. That's the only dick pick. That poor ever. guy. That, I'm sure the you girl know? gave him the wrong number and it just happened to be yours. It was me, right? Yeah. Oh. Lucky me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I got a dick pic by accident. That's it. I do get some from Bert, though. Does that count? Yeah. No, well, yeah, that <laughs> I guess that counts. Yeah. <laughs> so how long is the longest you've been away from each other? Um, Probably like three weeks, mm. I guess. Yeah, something like that. Same here. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. And you start like, yeah, it's too long. It's, it's too, too long. This is when... When Bert comes back and he's been gone that long. So we have something we call re-entry. Uh, okay. Do you have anything like that? Where there's like a period of adjustment when he's been on the road. Yeah. It'll it'll happen more when you have kids. Yeah. Because you get into a routine. The, whoever's at home with the kids gets in a routine with the kids. Mm -hmm. And then whoever comes back disrupts the routine. And 
that disrupting of the routine also disrupts the person who's disrupting the routine. Yeah. So it's this very complicated, like transitional moment that for us would happen for like 12 to 36 hours, depending on how long you'd been gone and what was going on in the house. Yeah. And it took a while for both of us to figure out what was happening and how to deal with it. Do you guys have anything like that? Um, Sometimes it can be like a little awkward almost (laughs) for like a few hours, but it hasn't been, I think because like we don't have kids, we don't have such a schedule. Like I think when I do have, I've actually like thought about this before. I'm like, when I have a baby and Mark comes home and, you know, I have the baby on a nap schedule and all this stuff, he's not going to like understand those things because again, he's a guy. Yeah. (laughs) So like, I'm going to tell him these things. and I just feel like it's going to be a lot more like what you described. Yeah. Um, right now, not so much. It can be like a little awkward for like a few hours and then we kind of get back into it. But it's not, I think like that's part of the, the charm of dating a comic too, because you do have these times away from each other and then they come back and it feels like you're like nervous to see them, you yeah. know, and you're like, do your hair and yeah. like put on a nice outfit. And you're like, yeah. like for your husband, it's nice. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. It's kind of like you're still dating in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and I like, I'm just an independent person, an only child. I like, like being alone. Yeah. But I don't want to be alone. You yeah. Know, I don't want to not, not have a partner. Yeah. But to have a partner that leaves and then comes back really works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And so, so you moved to New York and you started partying and you worked <laughs> at Guilty? Guilt. Guilt. G-I-L-T. G-I-L-T. And then how did you get into this position you're in now? So, well, I worked at LinkedIn for a little while after that. Okay. And I really did not like that job. No, <laughs> why not? No, I just felt like it was before I did stand up. And so I just felt very um, ordinary. Like, mm. I just was like, is this my life? Like, mm. I'm just going to this office building, doing the most like menial tasks ever maybe having like a beer with some coworkers and then going home. Like that's my life in New York now. This sucks. Yeah. And so I wasn't even working in like an industry that I liked. At least in guilt, I was in fashion and it was fun. I was getting paid like nickels, but still. And then, so I left that job and then I realized I wanted to get back into like working at least with like brands and things that I was organically interested in. And so that's how I got this job now. And I've been at this job for like five years. So it's my second longest relationship (laughs) is this job. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. It's been like really good to me the whole time. And, you know, I like girly stuff, it turns out. And I, one thing that's a big pet peeve of mine that I've seen in like modern day feminism is that a lot of people think that if you don't have like this boring, stale job, that you're not like a real feminist. And I'm like, who cares? Like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be like a Wait, who says that? I just feel like maybe this is me projecting my own things on people, but I feel like people are really impressed with like, they'll be like, oh, my friend is like a lawyer for this really dry, boring thing. And I'm like, cool, I work in makeup. And that doesn't make me better or worse. It just makes me someone who's interested in what I'm interested in and I'm not going to apologize for it. So That's because you live in New York. Yeah, I think it might be a New York thing. There's a lot of like elitism there is. I lived in New York for four years. And yeah. that was probably my biggest challenge. It's one of the reasons I left. Yeah. Is because I never felt good enough in that city to just draw breath. Yeah. Like you don't actually deserve 
to draw breath is how I felt in that city. Um, I Like with my peer group. Yeah. You know, walking around the city and talking to people on the street and, you know, I could talk to anybody. I mean, I'm from such a small town in Georgia. I, but when I tried to make friends, I just couldn't find them because I felt under, I hadn't read the right pieces of literature. Yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> read the New York Times every day. I couldn't talk about fashion. And I just don't know about that shit. And by the way, not interested. Yeah. So I, I don't, uh, that wasn't who I was. But yeah. some of that might be New York. I think looking back on it, because like LinkedIn is, has a lot of great benefits. Uh -huh. It's, you know, a good place to work by a lot of people's measurements. But I was so much more like the New York ego at that point where I hated, it sounds so stupid, but I hated like what you're describing, going to a party and people asking me what I did and saying, I work at LinkedIn. Yeah. I hated that. Yeah. Where like they would be like, I work at this, you know, art house and we sell this really obnoxious person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would have to like be impressed by that. But looking back on it, I think if I was at a different part of my life, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have cared so much. Yeah. And especially if I had been doing stand-up, right. I wouldn't have cared so much because I would have been like, well, I'm a stand-up and this is what I do for money. Yes. But um, yeah, I guess like New York really values those kind of things. And you are your job, which is really lame mm -hmm. and stupid <laughs> and gets yeah. like, you know, sillier as I say it out loud more, but <laughs> it's very upper, it's, it's very upper class to, to be your job. Mm -hmm. You know, that's very elite and upper class. And, um, LA, it has a lot of pockets of that. There's a lot of, of circles in LA that are that for sure. Yeah. I hear a lot of, uh, moms that have kids in really fancy private schools and the stuff, the hoops and the stuff and the sweatshirt that the kid has to, the car, they drive, all this bullshit where I go, that's a bunch of bullshit. Why are you doing that? Right. The kid's 16. And why are you worried about that in your peer group? Yeah. But then you can go like literally down the street and that that whole culture doesn't exist here. Uh, yeah. LA is so spread out. And um, I found it much easier to find your people here and those people still exist here that are all yeah. about fashion and all about what's your job and all about I work for the nonprofit that saves the world. Right. And I love <laughs> that you work for the nonprofit that saves the world. Thank you for doing that work for me. Sure. But I am no less important because I stay at home and drive my kids in carpool. Exactly. Um, and I find that it's a little easier here to bridge those two, that, that the two can communicate and hang out. Yeah. Uh, but I I couldn't find that in New York. I yeah. And I don't and wanna, I love New York. Yeah. Like I, I definitely I feel that though. Like I have a friend who um she's a new mom and she moved down south. They're living in North Carolina now. And she came back up to visit us and she was like, she's taking a break from work, which is more than fine. You're a new mom. Like go be a mom. That's great. It's a wonderful time in your life. Yeah. And she was just like, I just caught her like apologizing so much. She's like, well, I'm taking a break from work, but like, I'm going to get back into it. Like, I'm not just going to like say it. And I'm like, you can just do what makes sense for you and your family and totally. do not apologize for it. Like yeah. you're, we're all, you know, making our own decisions in life now. And that's, you shouldn't be able to feel like inferior because some lonely person has a high paying job or whatever. Like you have a husband and a daughter and a wonderful life mm -hmm. and don't apologize for it. And exactly. Don't feel empowered by it. Yeah. Be proud of it. Totally. You know, I agree. Yeah.
Um, are you guys, you're going to stay in New York, aren't you? Mark seems such a New York fella. Yes. So we just bought a place. So we're mm. in, yeah, we're renovating it. It's been a fucking nightmare. It has? <laughs> yes, it's been awful. But we're allegedly moving in next, in the spring. So nice. next year. But what are you doing in the remodel? Like how much of a remodel? The whole damn thing. Oh. I mean, the place was like rotting from the inside out. So we needed to do absolutely everything. Like we needed to build like floors, but like the joists under the floor, like the whole thing, everything. You wow. Know, the electrical. So it's been really awful. <laughs> um, so we've been working on that for like a year and a half, but like talk about privileged problems. I'm like, my brownstone isn't ready. Like, so it's like, you know, whatever. We'll move in there and it'll be great. And so I'm really looking forward to like that quality of life to have a little bit more space. And it has a backyard, which is like unheard of in Brooklyn. Yeah. So we're excited about that. I think like that will be our primary residence, but we've also been thinking about maybe getting a second home in like New Orleans or something like that. That'd be great. Yeah. I love New Orleans. Me I'd, too. I'd never been there till fully loaded. Yeah. Uh, and we were only there for a few hours, but God, it's a great city. Yeah, Beautiful. it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. What I love about New Orleans that's very different from New York is that all of the like community things they put on, like concerts, they're very multi-generational. Like you'll see people that are like my parents' age, you'll see 21-year-olds at the same event. And I just love that. Like, I think that's really cool. Where in New York, it's like there's things for 20-year-olds and then everything else is kind of boring and whatever. So you can't yeah. like find that in between. That's cool. Yeah. You but, can really like grow old and have fun in New Orleans. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I'll grow old and have fun. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm halfway to old. Um, uh, let's see. What else can we talk about, May? Mm, what do you like about stand-up? Um, well, I feel like I'm more of a writer than I am a stand-up. I'm coming to find out. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I like the community around stand-up. You meet a lot of really fun people and it's just a good time. Um, I like when something bad happens to me that I'm like, okay, good. I can make this into a joke mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, damn, that poor, that shitty thing happened to me. Mm -hmm. So it feels like you're always writing, but never writing. Also, it just kind of like, for me, my writing style, it just sort of like comes to me. And if it doesn't work immediately, I kind of throw it out. <laughs> like where Mark will be like, obsessing over this one thing for, which is probably why he's really successful, but, uh, but I'll obsess over something for like six months and like get it to work and change a syllable here or there. I'm much more like relaxed with my approach to it. But um, I mean, it's like, there's nothing better than making the crowd laugh. It's really fun. It's like a, it's like a nice high, I guess, without having to do drugs, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. And I like having like a goal. You know, like I'm actually, I'm recording a half hour. Oh, great. In the spring. And the reason I'm doing it is because I have a lot of material about like just getting married, wanting kids, not having them yet. Um, you know, a lot of things about that time in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, a lot of these jokes aren't going to work for me. You know, hopefully I'm hoping to be pregnant in the next like two years or so. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I just want to offload this material. And so I like looking at it like, this is how so like pretentious and ridiculous, but like chapters of my life. And so it's fun to sort of just like put that into a project I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably get torn to shreds on the internet, but that's like, <laughs> that doesn't matter. That you doesn't matter. You can't I listen don't know to any people. of that. Well, you can't listen to any of that because then you, then sometimes if you don't watch out, it'll start affecting how you feel about yourself or what art you're creating and your art should be 
a real expression of you. you know? Right. And I love that idea uh, that, yeah. that you're thinking about your life in chapters because now I'm way ahead of you. I'm 53. Your life is chapters. Mm-hmm. You know, in your 20s, you did exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You figure out who you are. You figure out what you like, what you don't like. You figure out um, what you want in life for in every way, in a job, in a partner, in friends, in yourself. Mm-hmm. And then your 30s, you get to uh, start applying that. Yeah. And then the 40s, you really relax into living that, right? And that is a very distinct chapters. And then your 50s, everything just starts falling apart. <laughs> Not really, but in my 50s now, I'm we're about to be empty nesters and we get to kind of reinvent ourselves a little yeah. bit. I get to reinvent my... Uh, my like my body by saying menopause has misshapen everything. So it's up to me what I look like. Mm-hmm. I have to work out to look a certain way. I have to eat to look a certain way. I could get away with that shit in chapters before. Right. But there's so much um, meat on that bone in each kind of phase that you're talking about before yeah. you have kids, after you have kids you know, in your marriage. Those right. are two very distinct periods. I love that you're thinking about your art in that way. I think that's very smart. Yeah, I like it. And, I, I you know, I would don't want to be, I think a lot of comedians, they like get their audience when they're young and then they don't know how to like transition out of that phase of their life. So there'll be, you know, someone who is in a different phase of their real life, but still trying to attract people that are 21. Mm-hmm. And I don't want, I want to be able to, you know, like grow with my audience. Yeah. You know, kind of talk to your peer group. And then also you think about it. If you talk about, if you, if you talk about your chapters, like you're talking about, I know at least with my podcast, I have 20 somethings that will email or message me and say, I'm so glad you're talking about this because this is my future. Oh, that's cool. Right. It's not happening now. But that's my next phase, right? Or that's two phases down the line. It's cool to know that. Mm-hmm. So you, if you think about it that way, then you'll have hopefully a demographic that starts in the early 20s and then keeps growing on the upper end with you. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, I, you don't really hear much about menopause, actually, like what you just <sighs> mentioned. Like, no one really talks about that. And they should. They should, Uh, because we're all going to, it's all going to happen to us. 50, (laughs) what, 51% of the population? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to happen to everybody. What I find fascinating about menopause, I feel like they should give a man like a pamphlet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why hasn't anybody written a pamphlet? A pamphlet about what happens right after your wife has a baby. Yeah. And not the like pretty, fluffy, and the minor, you know, I was talking about this yesterday downstairs. I was like, you know, you have a baby and they're like, no sex for six weeks. Bert was like, okay, six weeks and one hour. <laughs> yeah, and ready. Like, that's and not I'm, how it works. No, I'm like, <laughs> how? what if I need seven? Yeah. Like you're on a six week, you need to understand maybe what's happened like physiologically and apply it to your penis. Right. And then talk to me about <laughs> having sex after six weeks. Like you should get some kind of pamphlet that says, Here's where you should be patient, kind, understanding. Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening in her body. And this is why she is throwing a plate at you when you right. walk in the door. You know, yeah. it's not about you. As I think men are so linear and um, logical in a lot of ways. that And they don't have estrogen like mm-hmm. we do. I mean, they don't have some of these 
hormonal experiences of having a period every month and all the mood swings and the depression or whatever, fill in the blank that comes with that. They don't have it. (laughs) Yeah. So how can they possibly relate? Totally. When your body is going through an upheaval like childbirth or menopause. Yeah. So I I think that I've been talking about doing podcast episodes with men who have women in their lives who are in those places. That would be cool. To go like, what's going on at your house? Right. (laughs) You know, because I have to, I have hot flashes at night when I sleep Mm -hmm. and I get like legitimately like have to change my clothes. Yep, yep. Like you just took a shower. It's awful. And Bert won't let me sleep with a fan. Why? Because the fan makes his allergies bananas. Oh. So, and I don't have allergies, but then I'm just like sitting, I'm sleeping in soup. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like sleeping in my own soup. Yeah. Going, so I've had to find this like little mini fan that just hits me on the face. <laughs> it doesn't bother his sleep, but I'm like, I get it with your allergies, man, but could you fucking meet me halfway here? Yeah, get an inhaler. I don't know. Like, what do we do? <laughs> Help me. Help me. It's, yeah. So in, anyway, uh, I think talking about that stuff for you as a comic is a great plan. I love it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of material for sure. It'll never so. stop. It's funny that you say the pamphlet thing. So I'm like, there's a damn infographic for everything on Instagram right now. Just not anything related to what we're talking about. Yeah. Is your wife in menopause? Read this. Right. <laughs> Did your wife just has a, have a baby? Read this. Yeah. Did your kid just leave for college? Read this, you know? Also, what men don't understand about sex for us, at least for me, is like, if I don't feel hot, I'm not having, I, or I'll have like wor- the worst, like most missionary sex ever and I'm never going to get into it. But like, I would imagine after having a baby, you feel the most unattractive you've ever felt. And so like to think that you can just like zip right back into it is like a mental fuck. <laughs> It is a mental fuck. And I'll tell you this. I talked to Bert about this quite a lot because because of what's happening to my body in menopause. I felt that way after childbirth, but I also gave myself a little more of a pass. Mm -hmm. But at this point, my psyche is not giving my body a pass. Oh. And my psyche is fighting with itself because the logical part of me understands that I'm beautiful, that I'm in great shape. Yeah, you look amazing. That I look for my my age, I'm a fucking rock star. Definitely. I will never be in a bikini again, ever. Not ever. There's too much that's loose. Right. I'm barely in a bikini, so I know. (laughs) But but in the sex piece you're talking about, Bert constantly says, I think you're beautiful. And I think, what the fuck are you looking at? My shoulder? My shoulder looks good. But once you start moving over here, the decolletage is all wrinkly. The boobs are saggy. Like, my elbow looks pretty good. Like, what are you focusing on? And I think for for Bert, at least, I don't know if this is, I mean, men are so visual. Yeah. They fall in love with you for the visual piece, I think. Mm-hmm. But what Bert keeps saying to me, which is lovely, is that he's really safe and comfortable. And the thing about hot girls is that, he, at least for him, he never felt safe hmm. and he never could totally relax if there was like super hot girl he was trying to hook up with. Hmm. Because it made him feel his own inadequacies a little stronger. Interesting. So now we've been together so long. Um, he sees my body. Like after we had a baby, he used to, he had a joke about it for a while. He would go, I did that to that body. Oh. I did that. I like that. Right? I like that phrasing because it's true. Yeah, it's true. You knocked me up. 
Right. I had a baby. Everything's stretched. And it ain't going to go back the way it was. Right. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. So you blow a balloon up enough, it stays kind of like saggy, right? It's the same theory, not with every woman, but for me, that definitely was true. So, so he, his, his whole perspective was I did that to her. So that's mine. That's really nice. Right? Yeah. That's really sweet. But he has no part in menopause. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. But I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's life. And But what are we going to do? I'm the same way you are where I go, I don't feel sexy. Mm-hmm. Don't actually touch me. Like, I don't, that's, I don't do that. That's not yeah, how I behave. Yeah. But it is how I feel emotionally right. sometimes. And how do you, how do you, how do you reconcile that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. How do you reconcile that. I know it's so hard because you have to like make that mind shift mm-hmm. more than change anything about your body. It's just you got to like change how your mind's thinking about your body. And it's it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That we do it to ourselves. We do. Because <laughs> he's not asking me to do that. Bert's right. telling me every day, I think you're sexy as hell. I love everything about what's happening. And I mm-hmm. go, but I don't feel that way. I feel like not that way. <laughs> like entirely not that way. So I got lucky in that I have a man who isn't someone who goes, mm, it's all visual. Yeah. Now, well, you'll never be able to hang on to a man that's all visual because I, not you in particular, but yeah. everybody won't because then there's always going to be a hotter girl behind you. Yes. So there's that too. I also think like in general with comedians because they, you know, they're still men. <laughs> yeah. So they, they do get attracted to you at first. And that's probably how you start talking. But like once they actually like someone in the way that they think and the way that, you know, we make them laugh or whatever it is, I do see a trend more where comedians stick with the ladies that they chose for longer than average men. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they realize like that part is so rare. Mm -hmm. Like there's a million hot girls out there in both of the cities that we live in and, you know, everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I genuinely just don't think that they want to like talk to them. They're like, but I don't, I'm not interested in what you have to say. So that's a really, really interesting perspective because Bert jokes all the time about his second wife. Yeah. He's totally joking. And I'm like, you would not know what to say to it. it like the, you're right. A hundred percent right. The reason that they are with you, well, the reason Mark's with you, the reason Bert's with me is because I get him. Right. I, I get everything. I get the warts, I get the pain in the ass, mm-hmm. and I get the brilliance and the beauty and the art. I get the sensitivity. I get the anxiety. Right. I get it. And they also like, 
uh, you know, they have to like have these spaces where they feel confident saying whatever. And especially when they're working on a bit, like Mark will be like, have you ever thought about how Nazis da da da? And I'm like, hmm. Like, I'm not just sitting there being like, I can't believe you would bring that up. That's insensitive, which I feel like a lot of women, especially my age would do. And so I'll like run with him with this idea that's horribly insensitive and terrible. (laughs) And he'll shape it into something. But I'm like the, even just that, like the Mm open-mindedness that women dating comedians have to have because Mm -hmm. they're going to say things that maybe even some of my friends that are progressives or whatever would like watch Mark's material and be like, that's, that's homophobic or whatever. And I'm like, he's just trying to be funny and it's getting a laugh. So lighten up, I guess. Yeah. And if it sounds homophobic, perhaps it's challenging someone who is really homophobic. True. To think about that. That's my perspective about comedy entirely. Yeah. I find like, this is definitely true um, for a lot of comedians that I've seen that some of the nice guy comedians on stage are not so nice off stage Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So if you're touching on some of the more like controversial topics on stage, Typically, you know, you like if you say things that could be perceived as homophobic, you're not a homophobe Mm -hmm. because if you were, you wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Yes. You know, it's like the Bill Cosby effect. Yes. So Bill Cosby famously really nice guy, seemingly. (laughs) Yes. Not so nice. Not so nice. I agree with you. Absolutely. There are Mm -hmm. very few people. Yeah, I agree with you. In my experience, has been my same experience. Yeah. 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 I love that talking about stuff that's off topic. I love Mark's comedy. It's fun. It's so fun and funny and absurd. Right. And you're, I mean, come on, you have to know what he's saying is absurd. Exactly. If you don't, then you really need to get in touch with some like funny bone in your body. Truly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> same with Bert, you know, or I go, if you can't watch a guy without a shirt talk shit about people in his own family, you got problems. Yes, exactly. Lighten up. It's fun. It's a good time. Everyone's enjoying it. Yes. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes. There was this girl on Instagram who she got mad about a joke that Mark said and then he just blocked her immediately. Like he was, she uh, was all over his comments on like every single one of his posts, like saying all this crazy stuff, saying that he was like, he was saying bad things about indigenous people. I don't know. What? what? Who Who even knows? And then, so he blocked her and then she came over to my page <gasps> and was like harassing me and being like, you must be ashamed of your husband. Oh, How geez. embarrassing of you for like all this stuff saying that I was like this like racist apologist. <laughs> I was like- A racist apologist. I, that's okay, me. You know me. Yeah. But I was like- Yeah, that lines up. Not at all. I was that's like ridiculous. looking at this girl and I was like, it's so funny to me that you- are attacking some guy for telling a joke and then he's not going to hear you. So you go over to his wife's page and are now attacking her. And in your mind, you're the good guy in this scenario. It's very funny how the internet works. It is. Lots of right fighters, huh? Lots of right fighters. Uh, I find it interesting. I feel like if if you're living your life and you're working your job, you don't have time to do that. Right. So if you have time to post negative comments and shit on people, you should evaluate what you're doing with your time. Yeah, get a get a hobby. <laughs> get a hobby. Get a job that makes you feel happy. Right. So I, I don't, I don't think, I think I've left one negative Yelp review in my entire life. You know, <laughs> you just don't do it. Yeah. Unless it's something so egregious that you're like, everybody needs to know this person is a scam artist or right, something. Right, right. Something but, like that. 
Come yeah, on. Yeah, my cat got a very bad haircut recently. <laughs> you, wait, hold on. Why are you cutting your cat's hair? Because it's a very, it's, so it's a Maine Coon and it gets a bunch of like knots okay. on it. So we had to, we have to get shaved every once in a while. The shot, like the knots shaved off. And I brought it to this groomer and it was crazy. Like he came back looking crazy. And Mark was like, are you going to, you should like, he's like, I'm against like writing reviews, but maybe you should so that, because I paid a lot of money for it too. And um, I was like, I'm not going to do this because first of all, I gave this guy a tip and said, thank you very much when this was in person. So now I'm not going to go behind a computer and be like, my cat looks like shit. Yeah, right. You know, because people do that all the time with comedy. Like I'll, you know, get off stage and people will be like, oh, great set. We had so much fun, blah, blah. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, it'll be like, this girl was joking about rape and it made me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, who? Because all these people said I did a great job. So it's like, you know, weird. I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I agree. That's about mm. that's integrity. I actually don't even have a rape joke. I don't know why I use that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you were raped. Yeah. No, oh, God, no. no. Never yeah. know. <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Yeah, that, you're right. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't give someone a tip and then. Yeah. That's very cowardly. Very cowardly. Yeah. Because if I, I mean, if to his face, I was like, what is this? Yeah. That would be a different story maybe, but I still probably wouldn't because whatever. Because you mean, just don't. Because you just don't. Just Shaving why? a cat is not an easy job, okay? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like a very hard job. Yeah, you could lose an eye. Yeah. And cats are like not happy about that stuff. No. No. So you, uh, do you still live uh in the same building or close to Matthew Broussard? Um, no, we're moving close to Matthew Broussard. Yeah, and we live in the West Village now. So I don't know if you know this or not, but I have a podcast with Matthew Broussard's girlfriend. No, I did not. No one, no, I did not. Yeah, so his girlfriend, or actually their fiancés now. She, yes, they, I yeah, know. They got engaged. Um, she proposed to him, which I think is very cool. Amazing. And um, that's definitely like very much their relationship too. She's, <laughs> she's an alpha. But she... Um, her and I have a podcast together that we've had for a few years called Risky Business News. So we wanted to do something a little different. So it's basically like business scandals and stuff like that. So it's that's been, cool. Yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah, we had on we have on some comedians, but we also have on like um, I don't know if you heard this in the news, but there was some little kid. He's like 19 years old, and he tracks rich people's jets and then posts it on the internet, which is like very unethical for a lot of reasons. But um, he was doing that to Elon Musk and Elon Musk was about to sue him. It's like I'm like 19 year old kid. We had him on the podcast. So it's been a lot of fun. Why but, was he doing that? I don't know. And I still don't know. I interviewed this kid and he was just like, yeah, I just thought it would be like interesting. And I was like, why? But why? What's the purpose of that information? That's so fascinating. I don't know. That's a cool podcast. Yeah. I love that. I'll yeah. We have a lot it. of fun doing it. So that's been great. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Matthew's a great guy. Yeah. He's the best. He's so type A. Isn't sits he? up very straight. He's from, he's from Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was brought up right, as yes. they say. <laughs> he was brought up right. He's so great. Very I didn't know polite. you. I, for some reason, I thought you cat sat each other's cats. We do. Oh, you do? Yeah. But for some reason, that made me think you live like down the hall. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, I wish. That'd be really convenient. But yeah, we cat sit each other's cats and they get along really well, which is super weird. But I think it's because their cat's an inbred or inbred. Well, yes, probably. <laughs> but their cat is, is a full bred and so is mine. And so I think that they are inbred. So they're like so dumb that they don't know they're supposed to hate each other. <laughs> That's so they just hang out. 
That's cool. Yeah, it's a really good situation we have going on because we both are traveling so much. So we just drop off our cats at kindergarten together. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Will you do the same with kids, do you think? I Hopefully. I don't know if I don't know if they want kids or not, but yeah, I'll drop my kids off with them. Be like, <laughs> Here's the cat and the kid. They're like, we specifically didn't want kids. How <laughs> do we end up with these kids? Just for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back Monday. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing in L.A.? Um, so I was doing shows in Seattle and then I flew down to do some shows here and now I'm here and then I'm going back to New York today. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Have you done any podcasting while you were here besides mine? No, I should have like scheduled that better, but I didn't. I just did a few shows in in Venice, which was nice. Okay. Yeah, it was good. So I've never done, I've actually never performed in LA before now. No? No. There's a lot of singers (laughs) on these shows. Probably really? not at like the store and stuff, or maybe there is at the store, but at these indie shows, there was like a lot of ukuleles. Like I, comedy singers? Yeah, comedy okay. singers. But I was not expecting that. And I was like, huh. Interesting. Yeah. I don't really see that much at the comedy store, but I am by no stretch of the means there all the time. Yeah. Drop in every once in a while with Bert, but mm-hmm. but um, yeah, not here so much. So what, what do you think will happen? Um... When you have kids, do you think you'll continue to do stand-up or in what capacity do you think you'll continue to do stand-up? I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those things that I will get, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Yeah, yeah. Because right now I'd love to say yes, definitely. But I think my, like we were talking about like your whole hormones, your body, everything changes and maybe just my priorities will shift entirely and mm-hmm. it's just not going to be a priority for me. Mm-hmm. What Mark keeps reminding me of um, is he's like, comedy's not going anywhere. Like you can take yeah. a year off, you can take six months off and it's, you can just get back into it. Like mm-hmm. you haven't, at this point I have an act. I have, you know, people that know me, people that would obviously understand too if I was taking some time off to literally nurse my children. Right. <laughs> and so I think like, I would love to say, yes, I'll definitely come back to it. I don't know how I'll feel in the moment though. And I'm open to smart, May. You're so smart. Oh, thank you. You're very wise. That's, that's impressive. You're really, really wise because you, you don't really know. No. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to do something. I still want to be in comedy in some capacity, whether that's like making another podcast or doubling down on the podcast I have with Laura. I don't want to be like totally out of it, Mm. but I just feel like you know, being realistic with children, which I definitely want. And that's my priority is with, especially with Mark traveling so much. It's like one of us has to be the stability. Yeah, totally. You know, I can't fuck off to Seattle and do some random ass shows out there when I have babies. Yeah, totally. That's, that's what happened with me and Bert. I was a writer before we had kids. Oh yeah. mm -hmm, I was a writer for years. And then I was like, well, he's not making enough as a comic. I'm not making enough as a writer. So the choice would be, Bert can't do anything else. Yeah. Like he can't. <laughs> There's nothing else he could do. Could you imagine him at a, like a corporate job? That would no. be the weirdest parallel universe no. ever. You know what? He's, here's the jobs I think Bert would, okay, let's play this game. This is an awesome game. What jobs would Mark or Bert have if comedy were not available? Okay. So Mark always says he would be a UPS driver. I don't know why he's so drawn to this profession. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, I like that they wear shorts. I'm like, that's it? It's just, you have to wear oh, shorts. 
I, you know, strangely, <laughs> I can sort of see him doing that, being friendly, but not having to get into any kind of real relationship with right. people on his route, right? I guess. I could sort of see that. I don't know. I think Bert, Bert, Bert would be a chef. Oh, yeah. Or I think he would be, he might and he might not be a really good trial lawyer. Oh. Because he can argue <laughs> like nobody's, he can argue his point in such a creative and convincing way. Yeah, you would know better than anyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he'll get me so confused in an argument and I'll have to go, hold on. Let's go back to the why we started talking about this. And then I have to constantly do that. So I think he'd be probably a really good trial lawyer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would be a crazy parallel universe. Wouldn't hiring, it? Yeah, hiring Bert as the trial lawyer. Right? Well, I mean, he's into like performing. He's yeah. very performative as a human being. He's really convincing. He's a good storyteller. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's really smart. And yeah, he does not like to lose an argument. I feel like he's also an incredibly loyal person. He is. So if he really believes in his client and believes in their innocence, then he'll like, he'll figure out a way yeah. to make it work. And he, he would like work really hard at that. He would. You're right. Anything else you think Mark would do besides you? What do you think Mark would do? Oh, well, I think he would be a good filmmaker, but that's still kind of an entertainment. So maybe that's not quite as that's different. Right. I think he would get fired from any sort of corporate <laughs> job. I really do. I think he would get fired for HR reasons and or just like slacking off. Like he cannot do something he's not interested in. Uh -huh. Cannot do it. Yeah. Um, I have two of those at my house. Yeah. Yep. Two, <laughs> I have two. So fun to have two. Yeah. <laughs> I have one's enough. And you're like, please just like math. So <sighs> be prepared when you have children, right? Mm -hmm. That... They will partly be Mark. And so the things that are challenging with Mark, the things that are challenging about Bert, which actually make Bert successful in what he does, mm -hmm. are completely doubly, triply challenging in the traditional educational system. Yeah. It yeah. fucking sucks to have a kid that does not march to the beat of any available drum. <laughs> They're making their system. own drum. Yes. And to watch it affect them negatively is one of, it's probably the hardest part of parenting I've experienced. I can imagine. And I was not good at school um, and neither was Mark. So I cannot imagine our kids are just going to like be thrilled about academics. Right. <laughs> that would be really weird. Yeah. But that's one thing I really admire about Mark's parents, actually, is mm -hmm. that his older brother was very, very like standard, standardized test style smart, like yeah. very good. He went to like NASA camp and like things like that. He's into math and sciences. I think he's like a computer programmer now. Mm -hmm. um, and Mark is Mark. And they didn't try to fit them both in the same square. And they put Mark immediately into a lot of like performing arts things. And they recognized that they had two very different children. And right. so I like think that's pretty cool. Yes. Very Instead cool. of being like, you have to be just like your brother. It's like, he's never going to be like that. Right. Um, and, you know, they forced him to graduate college, but he was, he, I think he dropped out of like a few places, but they were like, you have to get a degree. Uh-huh. But, um, 
yeah, school was definitely not his forte. It's hard as a parent to watch. I mean, I I did great at school. I did I was not an exceptional student, but I had no trouble in school. Okay. And Georgia was the same. Not an exceptional. Mom was like a B, mm-hmm. A, B student. Yeah. Um, had a three point something when I graduated. Georgia was the same. Just a typical yeah. student. Mm-hmm. But Isla's dyslexic. Bert was dyslexic. And to watch the two kids move through the same system, mm. um, even though I, I looked into other schools for Isla, they just weren't working for her. Like yeah. nowadays, or at least I haven't found it in L.A., they're either a private school we could not even have possibly afforded mm-hmm. or they're schools that are so focused on the learning disability, everything else is left out. Right. Like my kid is not her learning disability. Yeah. She is a regular kid who has trouble reading. Yeah. You know, that's it. Socially, academically, emotionally, she's not, she doesn't have any of the other challenges. She just needs help reading. Yeah. You know, and that is still in, within the system is super challenging. I'm I'm so glad she got into college and I'm so glad we hired somebody who said, here's the expectation for her based on her grades. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about what anybody else is saying. Yeah. Just go in that expectation. And we were like, that's all we need is just someone please just get us in that expectation so that she can feel Mm -hmm. powerful. And, you know. No, that's great. Feel her real worth. So she's one of the first of her friends to have gotten an acceptance letter to the college she wanted to go to. It's an art school because they get it. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Anyway, that's... I will say, I mean, speaking back on like New York and people being so impressed by like prestige and stuff like this, this isn't, this is maybe an exception to the rule, but a lot of people I know that went to these prestigious colleges, they're not doing as well as some of my other friends that like I went to just some like random rinky-dink place and... um. I would say like I'm more well-adjusted in a lot of ways than some of the people that went to, you know, Princeton and these crazy places. Mm -hmm. Because I think what ends up happening with kids that are like very, very good students is that they see a path and they're like, okay, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And then I get rewarded at the end. And then in real life, it doesn't work like that. Especially if you're going down any sort of entrepreneurial route, you have to just get creative. You got to like get used to rejection. You have to get used to like, you have the best laid plans. They might not work out and you have to pivot, but they just get so wrapped up in like, if I put this, if I put this energy into it, I should get this outcome. I keep hitting my mic. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I just, I find that like, that's something to consider too with, with kids that, um, you know, like for me, like I was like, oh, I got into this like not not that great school and, you know, woe is me and whatever. And my dad was like, who gives a shit? Like, this is not, have any, this has nothing to do with your outcome for life. At all. At all. No. But you think it does at that time in your life. No, I think that's the problem is society, maybe not even all of society, but they the, the educational system tells you it's important. Mm-hmm. They're telling you, you must, you must, you must. And I, at home, we're like, you actually don't have to. No, you don't have fine. to go to college. Yeah. You don't have to. You you can't just lay on the couch. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a college degree. Yeah. I went to college, but I never graduated. Bert took seven years to get an undergrad. Yeah. Seven years because he couldn't pass classes. So we're doing okay. Yeah, you're doing you know, fine. We, we a little, made it work. little north of okay. I'd say. We made it work. So, <laughs> but it's hard to have her try to be in a peer group where 
our philosophy is not the norm. Mm-hmm. The norm is you got to go to this great college. I completely agree with you. There's actually a great book called David and Goliath about that exact concept, how they found that kids who were doing well in lesser schools were more successful than mm. kids who were doing well at a Yale or a Harvard because they don't have uh, a, a very realistic picture of what life does. Obviously, that's not for every person who went to Yale or Harvard or, yes. or these other schools. But in general, the research they were they were showing is far more successful people that just came through a regular kind of college route. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? It was a really great yeah. book. The book talks a lot about dyslexia, which is why I read it. It was about far more than dyslexia, but I read it because of that, because I have a kid that's dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, dyslexics people, their brains are 5% larger than ours than people who aren't. Yeah, I feel like a lot of dyslexic people I know are very smart. Phil okay. Hanley is dyslexic famously. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he's, I think he's very sharp. Yeah. Yeah. So many people are dyslexic. So who gives mm-hmm. a shit about that? Yeah. Um, okay, well, how can people find you if they're looking for you? Uh, well, I have an Instagram, obviously, May underscore Planert. I did not change my last name yet. No? No. I are you know. going to? I don't know, actually. I don't know. At this point, I'm like, whatever, but... So Mark's, this is an aside, but Mark's mom kept her maiden name and my mom changed her name and they both have like kind of strong opinions about it. So I'm going to get judged either way. Right? So (laughs) you're not safe. Can you hyphen it? Yeah, but Plannert Normand. Can you think of a worse combination? It's It's like pretty awful. It's a mouthful. Yeah, I hate it. That's a mouthful. I don't know. I'll, I'll... I'll think about it for a little longer. But anyway, May underscore Planart is the name for now. Um, and you can also find my podcast at Risque Business News. And that's on all platforms, Spotify, all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad you came. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I think this is the longest conversation we've had. I think so. Yeah. We just yeah. talked here and there. We went to Jimmy Buffett together. Oh, that was fun. How fun was that? How cool is it that we got to see him? Right before he passed. I know. Yeah. I'm bummed that he died. I'm. You're much younger than me, but he was definitely part of the soundtrack of my childhood. Oh, yeah. You know, he was an icon, obviously, but but those Gen Xers and older, he was really all about the 70s. I love him. You know. I, yeah. lo- I also love his message. He's just like, just chill out, man. <laughs> like, that's it. Great message. Yeah. And you know it's not mean? that serious. It's not that deep. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Drink a margarita. Have a cheeseburger. Yeah. Wear a flip-flop. I right. loved it. Yeah, no, that was a great time. We had a really good time. So much fun. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, thank you for coming and doing this. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool. Had a great time. Yay. All right.